You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, good morning, sports fans. Mike Indoppo here with uh, JT. JT, how's it going, man? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. So we are here in the uh, 1450 studio. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. I'm going to make sure that you guys can be part of the show. If you want to call in, 384-1450 is the number to call and join the show. There's a uh, lot to talk about. Right now, when we had uh, some pretty big basketball news yesterday, of course, you know, uh, everyone was wondering what was going to happen with LeBron. I think, uh, I think when uh, originally when LeBron opted out of his deal, everyone kind of thought with the Heat. I think most people, me included, thought it was just a way for the Heat to uh, restructure contracts, create some um, some cap room, so that they could possibly go out and get some more weapons and reload and be mm-hmm. ready to take on the Spurs. Um, but it quickly turned, and the Cavaliers looked like the big winner last yeah, night. Yeah, I think that uh, when LeBron saw that uh, the Heat were having problems uh, getting other players, he just went and he wanted to go back home anyway and just made the decision to go back home. Yeah, I don't know how much it was about – I think he was been happy staying at the Heat. I don't think I know how much it was about leaving the Heat right. as much as, like, I think his wife wanted to go home. I think, you know, he wanted to be back around his family. Let's face it. I mean, he's 29 years old. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's I mean, he's been around now for ten years. You know, he might have another five, six, seven more years. Yep. I think being able to go home and the chance to maybe bring the championship to Cleveland uh, right. was probably more important to him than any money you know that he could possibly got. Well, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, but you'd think that. Uh, I mean, obviously, I thought beforehand that. I didn't know if he was going to go this year. I thought maybe next year. I thought maybe try to win another championship with the Heat. I thought he'd try to win another one, but uh, apparently uh, decided to try to go home. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think that's the sentiment that most people had. You know, that he at least signed a one-year contract with the Heat, uh, get ready to go back, and you know. But I think when he when you looked at it, and the Heat obviously didn't have the end of the year they wanted this year. They got. Mm. They were obviously the, the the runner up to the Spurs. Right. Dwayne Wade's not getting any younger. Nope. And uh, what's the one position that they really hurt at last year? The point guard. Point spot. guard, yeah. And uh, obviously the Cavs have a great point guard, uh, yeah. a young point guard, Kyrie Irving. Great, yeah, out of Duke. And when you think of the young players that the Cavs have, um, that LeBron can kind of help mold around him. Especially if they're able to keep Andrew Wiggins, which I don't know if that's going to happen or not. If he, Andrew Wiggins is going to be involved in this uh, Kevin Love trade, but if they were able to keep a guy, they have four number one overall draft picks on yeah. this roster right now. Well, the reason why LeBron left in the first place is because they weren't getting anybody to they help him no out. They had Mo Williams, and nobody even knows who that is anymore. I'm slightly joking, but I mean, now they've got Kyrie Irving, who's already much better than Mo Williams ever oh, was. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. And then, they, like you said, they got four draft picks. So LeBron's thinking, okay, we can actually move forward now. You know, I can have some help. You're never going to win a championship by yourself. Not even Michael Jordan could do that. No, I mean those guys won had the best players around him as possible and and it, it, you know you got a guy and, and the guys that they have so like <clears throat> Kyrie Irving is a really good point guard yep. he's not he's not designed to be the man no no so now he's got LeBron that can really help him out you got a, got two young guys and Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. that will just flourish having a guy like LeBron around showing them how to be the pro I mean a- Andrew Wiggins when he came, when he was in high school, 
The only guy you could compare Andrew Wiggins to was LeBron. Right. I mean, from his skill set and his size and athleticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you got Andrew Wiggins that he's going to be mentored by LeBron. He's going to be able to – the one thing about the difference between LeBron and Andrew Wiggins is Andrew's not necessarily designed to be like – Andrew, the, he's not. He doesn't have the persona to be the right. man on the team. No, and at least not yet. Watching Andrew Wiggins in person since he went to KU, right? And I saw him a couple times when they played K State. He had some of those games where he just, when he was counted on to be the man, he couldn't do it. He needed somebody else to help him out. He wasn't like just like a guy who could just take over the game. He needed another player like Embiid or somebody else to kind of help him out. So now that he does have LeBron, like you said, it's going to be a lot better for him because he's not kind of one of those leadership-type guys. He still has to develop into that role. But he is uh, undoubtedly like probably the best basketball talent that's come out yep. of the high school ranks since LeBron. He is phenomenal. And, and he's, uh, he's, he's phenomenal. And now so you got this whole this whole deal where LeBron's going to be, take, be able to take this really young, talented roster – and help mold them around him. I, I think it's a it's a great situation. In some ways, Cleveland is better off because LeBron left four years ago. I think so, yeah, because then they realized that they had to get their act together, and now that they've gotten it together by getting LeBron back, and like you well, said, I mean, four, dra- four they number got the one four number one picks. Yeah. I mean, they don't get the four number one picks if LeBron's there. Yeah. I mean, they might they might go to the NBA Finals. They might be. They're always going to be in the playoffs. You know. Sometimes they lose but, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. Sometimes they lose in the NBA Finals. I'm not sure they even right. get one. I'm right. not sure that they get a, a title with LeBron. I don't think if so. If he stayed because it never would have really gotten anyone around him. No. Nope. LeBron leaves. Three out of those four years, they get the number one overall right. pick. Yeah, the, some of those years, they were awful. And awful. now they get – so now he comes in with this really good roster. And, uh, you know, look for a guy – look for a guy like Anthony Bennett – Again, mm-hmm. either Anthony Bennett or Andrew Wiggins will be in this Kevin Love trade if they mm-hmm. trade for Kevin Love. Right. If they get Kevin Love, they're going to – I mean <laughs> – They're going to be good. Oof. I mean, they're gonna I, I don't know. They're going to be good. You know, Kevin – I understand why people would trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love right now because of what Kevin Love is right now. Right. But the potential of what Andrew Wiggins could be would make me really think twice about doing that and, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not I would tr- include Andrew in that in that trade. But they're able to get Kevin Love without losing Andrew Wiggins. So definitely gonna lose Andrew Wiggins or Anthony Bennett in that yeah. deal. I would I would rather lose Anthony Bennett. But in they that I mean deal. they also gotta be able to sweeten it up enough to make it happen. Anthony sure. Bennett though is a guy that I think is gonna could have an outstanding I mean, he didn't have a great rookie year. And right. part of that was because they were asking for him to do right. much I mean, more than you, he's able to. When you get picked the number one overall draft pick, <laughs> people expect you to perform uh, you know, like LeBron or somebody else getting picked number one. You know, they expect you to play uh, and be a starter and be able to carry the team, and sometimes rookies can't always do that. So now they're going to have this – I mean, now you're looking at Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, LeBron, uh, Anthony Bennett, and, uh, you know, they still have Varial, I guess, at the center if he's able to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Vario's not a bad center. He just no. needs somebody, a couple complimentary players. So. so they, I mean, they got they got have a they have a squad, and yeah. it shows as soon as LeBron signs with the Cavs, Las Vegas made the Cavs the favorite to win the NBA championship next year. Wow, I don't know. What do you think about that? 
That's tough. I don't. I don't know. It. It really depends on the development of Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins. If they can play up to their potential, yes. But if they uh, don't quite live up to that standard, then I don't think so. Yeah, I don't see. Uh, I don't see this group being at that level yet. Right. I think one or two years. Yeah. You know that they could be there, but like if they had to compete with the Spurs next year. I still think this, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the Spurs could get to Anthony Bennett and um, Wiggins' head. They're just too young, and the Spurs are such an old, savvy team. I just think that that would be a bad a bad matchup, at least for the moment. And I don't see, you know, now some of the other matchups, you know, it might work out, but I mean, even getting out of the East, mm. um, yeah, it's going to be it, Well, it I mean, tough. right now the East is, you know, they were so-so this year with the Pacers, you know, hardly showing up anything at all um but uh we'll see if uh you know the Pacers certainly do have the talent to win the east uh if they you know decide to actually play some basketball well now it's gonna be interesting to see so now all the other dominoes gotta start falling so now LeBron go you know LeBron goes to Cleveland and now the one big mess was uh taken care of and now all these other things are going to start happening real fast and actually what I thought you know, once LeBron left to go to Cleveland, I thought, okay, that means Bosch is out of there. He's going to he's going to Houston. You're right. You'd think so. And then Bosch ends up re-signing a max deal with the Heat. You know, the Miami was able to pull it off, keep it Bosch there. Yeah. Uh, of course, I don't know if that's a guy that you want to make the center of your franchise. No, I mean Dwight Howard, James Harden, and Bosch. That wouldn't be a bad. That'd be a uh, pretty uh, pretty awesome. Pretty pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Bosch is. Uh, uh, you know, once uh, he LeBron was gone, Pat Riley had to get somebody to sign. So I think he was going to give uh, Bosch what he wanted to get the deal done. Yeah, I mean, uh, at that point though, so now it's like, okay, what do they? What do the Heat do with Dwayne Wade? I think they're going to obviously make a deal. They're going to try their best to trade him. The Bulls are interested in Dwayne Wade now. Dwayne, mm-hmm. so that uh, makes sense with uh, Derrick Rose always hurt. Well. I mean, they're different positions, but no, I know, I understand. Also, He'd be a good player who could fill in for Derrick Rose when he did get hurt. I think whatever. it's a bigger thing because they struggled to score so much last right, year. I right. mean, they. But then again, how many games is Dwayne Wade actually going to play for you? I mean, right, exactly. Is he good for sixty games, you know, if he got sixty games, I think you're getting a lot out of him. Exactly. Uh, Dwayne is getting near the end of his career. I think he's just always injured. You know really didn't show up very well in that finals, you know. It was a little disappointing, I think. I thought LeBron uh, – sorry, Dwayne had more in his tank, but apparently not. Just can't handle uh, all that physical toughness of some teams because he's just getting up there. Well, I mean, and he is. I mean, he's it's, he's 32 years old. But, again, for Dwayne Wade, this would be about him going home. I mean, he's from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, played at Marquette. Right, yeah. So it's just down the road. You know, give him a chance to go home and and be on a pretty good team, a competitive team. Uh, especially now, the Bulls look like they're going to sign Paul Gasol. Wow, that so would be big. Yeah, the, if they had Paul Gasol, Derrick Rose, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade, that'd I mean, be a decent. And jo- Joakim Noah, who's a yeah. defensive force. I mean, you know, they're capable of doing something right there. Yeah, I think that. I mean, exactly. I mean, the, that Bulls team would be pretty freaking good um, if. If Dwayne Wade can play sixty games and uh, yeah, and, and they got Rose to to be healthy for an entire year, yeah, and then of course you got that Jeremy Lin trade, which was interesting. Yeah, Jeremy Lin traded to the Lakers. The Lakers are getting a lot of players. They're just going all for it. They got Randall now, which I think was a good pickup for them. 
Uh, obviously, you said earlier the cleanup for Kobe Bryant, and he's one of the best. He was the best, I think, rebounder, at least offensive rebounder in the college basketball last year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be good. They got Bryant, and then Jeremy Lin would be an, a nice additive to that team, just kind of a role player for that uh, Lakers team. And then, of course, they got Jody Meeks who can play from time oh, Well, to Meeks time. is gone. Oh, did he leave? Yeah, well, he they didn't resign him. He's okay. a free agent. So he'll he, actually he signed with uh, he got a pretty good deal. He got like eighteen million. Um, well, Meeks um, Meeks is capable of playing. It just he's inconsistent. Well, at the I mean, moment. he's scored what forty two points in a yeah in a game this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's capable. Oh, the Pistons, yeah, Pistons. he's one of the Pistons. Yeah, so he's capable of playing. He just I'm sure he wants to get more more time with so, somebody. So. so yeah, you got. You got all that starting to happen. All the moves are starting to happen. The next big domino will be, of course, what happens with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you know, most people feel like he's going to stay in New York. Yeah. Um, of course, most of these well, so-called experts thought LeBron was going to stay in Houston. Right. So um, I think either that or, you know, Houston. Those are the two big things. I think if what if, Houston does. Yeah, if Houston can get they they missed out on Bosch, obviously. So are they going to really try to get Carmelo? Uh, they weren't really in the Carmelo mix. I mean, I don't think that really makes a whole lot of sense for them with James Harden being there. Right. I mean, um, Carmelo's Carmelo seems to me like he's down uh, to the Lakers, mm. uh, to the Knicks, and to would, the Bulls. Would, would Kobe really want to play with a player like Carmelo? They're both kind of – I'll tell you right now, the guy who benefited Carmelo and Kobe running the same team is, is Julius Randle. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because every time one of those guys misses a shot, that's a pass to him. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm just saying, though, I mean, would Kobe want to share the load with, you know, Kobe likes to score a lot, and if, so does Carmelo. They both like to take a lot of shots. So, they, uh, they definitely out? are vol- volume shooters. Um, Carmelo, you know, I don't, it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I, I think he'll end up staying in New York. I hope it doesn't. I'm, I'm kind of a Knicks fan, so I'm kind of hope. I don't want that to hamstring the Knicks too much. I don't want the Knicks to, um, be just totally unable to do anything else because Carmelo's contract takes up too much of, of their resources. Right. And I think the Knicks almost want to get rid of Carmelo. He's just they just can't win with Carmelo unless they have somebody else and they don't have enough cap room to get someone else. Well, I mean, uh, they, right now obviously Phil Jackson's making a strong move to keep Carmelo, so I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, they Yeah. Carmelo seems to be the guy that uh, is in their in their wheelhouse, but uh uh, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, hopefully if it works out, they they figure out. And Phil Jackson, I think, is kind of a master at this to make sure that he can put mm. uh, a team around him. Now, I think Phil also thinks that the triangle offense will be really good for Carmelo right. and make Carmelo more efficient of a player, especially if he can get a big guy in there, which they were hoping to get Paul Gasol. Uh, but now with Paul Gasol reportedly going to the uh, to the Bulls, you know, that, that doesn't look too too good. Right. They do need a big guy at some point. They may- and they may be may want to try to trade for love. We'll see if that happens. Well, they were making a move for that in late May. I don't think uh, I think Kevin Love wants to go somewhere he can win now. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, being with Minnesota so long and Minnesota not doing anything really in the time that he was there um, has made him want to and want to go. So now we're going to start doing the watch of seeing what happens with, uh, you know, does Paul Gasol end up actually being signed with the Bulls? Looks like that's like pretty much a done yeah. deal. Luol Deng, Lance Stevenson, Carmelo, 
You know, and what then, happens of with course, all those guys? Rondo, we talked about the potential of Rondo being traded somewhere that needs a point guard like Indiana Pacers or something. Not a lot of, you know, and that's kind of died down a little bit. Not a lot of talk about, and I don't know what that comes down to, whether or not they, uh, you know, just don't have the talk. Now they're showing uh, the the potential of the of the roster for Irving, Wiggins, LeBron, Tristan Thomas, and very out at the. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad starting line. No, but although they had Wiggins there as the shooting guard. Yeah. And LeBron is the three. I think I'd switch it. I don't know how much that really matters, but I'd, yeah. I'd probably switch that a little bit and put Le, um, put Wiggins as the three. Mm. LeBron is the two, but uh, they're gonna be. That's a big lineup. That is, yeah. I mean, it's a big. That's a. I mean, it's a lot of size. Yeah. So then you got the whole situation where Coach Cal turned down the Cavaliers, right? Eighty million dollars in full control. I wonder if he's kind of regretting that. Regretting that decision now. Well, as a Kentucky fan, I hope not. But uh, well, I mean, I you know, right. I'm I'm not blind to the fact that Kentucky's not gonna have Coach Cal forever. Right. I don't I, think the Kentucky job, and we can talk about this on the other side of the break. Right. Because we're up, getting up against it. I don't think the Kentucky job is meant, designed for someone to stay there for 15, 20 years. Well, not very many people. Besides Rupp, there hasn't been well, Joe I mean, B. Hall. There it was hasn't a totally been. different job. Actually, Joe B. Hall wasn't there very long at all. He's there about nine, eight, nine years. Okay. So, I mean, besides Rupp, there wasn't that many people that were there very long at UK. No. I mean, Tubby Smith had a decent run. Yeah, but, I mean, that's about as Joe long B. as you're going to see. Joe B. Hall had a decent run. So, Tubby was there. Nine years. Yeah, you know, I mean, Joe B. Hall about the same. You said so. So it's it's hard for uh, it's it's well, just not a job that's designed for that. So well, the demand for excellence, you know, Kentucky is not going to put up with the Bill Gillespie again or with somebody of that type of caliber. They're going to go out and get the best. Well, or close to the best. We can kind of dis- we'll discuss that whole deal, I guess, on the other side of the break. Uh, this is the weekend sports buzz brought to you by Brian J. Lawrence personal injury attorney. If you want to call in three eight four fourteen fifty. We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Bus. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Okay, we are back here, sports fans, on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I'm Mike Indoffa. I'm joined, as always, by JT, my man from K-State. And uh, <laughs> he's wearing his purple here today. I'm he's also, got, yeah. He's got the same Reds hat. So. And, and my, I got to wear all my teams yeah. as much as possible. I'm wearing my UK shorts, too, so we're, we're go. good here. And uh, we were we were talking uh, you know, about uh, LeBron James, obviously, going, to the, going back home to Cleveland, trying to bring right. a uh, championship to Northeast Ohio. That's what he says the most important thing to him is – in his statement, is bringing the championship back to Northeast Ohio, and um, yeah, and then I'm, and then and now that they're actually putting on the bottom of ESPN that that the Cavs have said that Andrew Wiggins will not be traded. So you're going to get a chance to see Andrew Wiggins and LeBron, probably the two biggest freaks when it comes to size and athleticism that we've ever seen. Right, play together. I, I just think it's going to be incredible. That is going to be awesome. And and we talked a little bit about this at the break. About how Cleveland has been the center of just like the off the field sports world here for the last uh, last four months. It started in the in the uh, NFL draft, right? When they were able to land Johnny Manziel. That's right. Uh, a pick that I don't really fully understand. Well, I mean, you got to get fans into the stadium. That he will definitely get fans will sell into tickets. The stadium. So that's, got, I think that's the primary decision for that 
You got Cleveland gotcha. Browns fans excited uh, and, and and buying football tickets, and now with LeBron coming back to the Cavs, I'm sure the city of Cleveland's about to explode. Oh yeah, I mean fans are going nuts right now. So then, uh, and and then we talked for a second about um, you know in the midst of all that, the the Browns ownership or not the Browns ownership, but the Cavs ownership, Dan Gilbert went after John Calipari to be right. their new head coach. And uh, offered him eighty million dollars, full control of the team. Um, I think uh, Cal most likely probably, um, you know, do you think he longs to go back to the NBA at some point? You know, it's it's tough to say. You know, he and Patino both left the NBA for college basketball, but I, well, I don't know. They were Is, both college basketball guys first. Right, they were. They were. So they left at one point. Do potentially coaches that. Fail in the NBA at least. I know Calipari didn't necessarily, but he got failed. He got fired. He failed yeah, in the well, NBA. Okay, but so do guys that fail in the NBA want that redemption? And I think the answer would probably be yes. That I see, Rick is different in that in that case because Rick, his first go in the NBA was very successful. He was with the Knicks, right? And he did great. I mean, he was the and then that's why he got one of the reasons he got the Kentucky job. It's when he went back to the NBA the second time it didn't go as planned, right? He missed out on when he thought he was going to get Tim Duncan in the lottery, and they ended up not getting the ping pong balls worked against him. Yeah. And the Spurs got the normal pick, and then it just never really, you know, if the if the Celtics win that, I wonder how things would be different if the Celtics would have won the Tim Duncan lottery. Oh, man. You know? Uh, Who knows you know, how many championships we're talking about for the Celtics? Well, I mean, what's that? Where, where would University of Louisville be right now? Yeah, we don't you know, even. They would, yeah, I mean, they would the, be in the The domino effect yeah. right now, it would be. Well, Louisville's thinking they're lucky stars for Patino failing in the NBA. But. Well, and just all timing-wise for them worked out perfectly. Right. And, um, yeah. Patino, I think, knows he is designed to be a college coach. Yeah. yeah. Cal, I think, has that doubt. I think you're right. I think Cal wants to show that he can go back to the NBA and, and coach yeah. at that level. At least show it. I mean, he knows he can get – he knows that Kentucky would love to have him as long as possible, but – He's kind of done what he's needed to do at UK. He took a program at that point that was not good with Bill Gillespie, missing the NCAA tournament, which to Kentucky fans is like, you know, a mortal sin of for them for college basketball and turned that completely around. So, I mean, if they had won this year, that would have been crazy. You know, three teams from Kentucky winning back-to-back-to-back. Well, I mean, and then just having the the, the years that Cal's been here, we have uh, the Kentucky's got a – Elite Eight, a Final Four, or a National, or a Final Four, a National Championship. Then they had, then they went to the NIT, and then they uh, had the National Runner Up. So three Final Fours in five years. Yeah. Uh, national title, National Runner Up. It's it's pretty good. So uh, I would agree. I mean, I I think part of it though is he knows the team he's got coming back. Yeah. Here at Kentucky's gonna be special. Yeah, uh, he's obviously not gonna. He didn't want to leave this year, obviously, because. He's almost. It's almost like a guaranteed championship. He didn't. I don't think he realistically thought LeBron would go back to Cleveland this year. I don't think he did either. No. If he, I think if he knew LeBron was going back, I think it could have been a different. It could be. It could still, have been a different deal. Could be. Still though, I think he knows that. You know, this is uh, his year at Kentucky because he's got all that talent coming back, or most of it, except for uh, Randall and Young, and he's got several. Awesome rookies coming in for 
him. I think he they're knows. Call, they're called freshmen. I know. All I right. Know. I want to call them rookies. All right. So I have to be different. No, I'm kidding. But uh, so I think he knows this is the year for him and the Cats. And uh, obviously, like you said, he didn't think LeBron was coming back. So why would he take a job at Cleveland if it was going to be the same, potentially the same team? And Kentucky being so good this year. Right. But, Obviously now. Well, I think he was going to be careful that if he goes to the NBA, he's going to make sure he's in a situation where he can be successful. Right. You know, so. that was not the case in Cleveland when the Cavs offered Cal the job, you know, two months ago or whatever it was. Right. And uh, Well, they were trying to do anything to get LeBron back, and I guess they didn't need to do that to get him back, obviously. But, uh, of course, Cal, like us, thought he, LeBron wasn't going to Cleveland, so... What are you going to do? Well, good, good for Kentucky fans, anyway. Good for Kentucky fans. Not the greatest people for, you know, thing for the people here in the city of Louisville who are going to have that uh, NBA exhibition game here um, with the Heat playing the Pelicans. But, of course, the Pelicans are going to be loaded with with a lot of local talent. Uh, the Heat, though, will not be as uh, not be as fun to watch, maybe, with LeBron not there. Um, but we the original part of this discussion was talking about the Kentucky job. You know, right. Cal wants to go pro, I think, at some point. The, the Kentucky yeah. job, to me, is kind of like being the president of the United States. <laughs> You're meant to have it for, for about eight years, and it's yeah. going to age you. Those eight years are going to age you 20. Yeah. I mean. Because it demands so much more. It, it is. Kentucky fans are so unrealistic when it comes to college basketball because they're the best. So if you're the best, you want to continue to be the best. And when you're not the best, you're going to be very upset about it. I mean, I think Kentucky fans do expect to be in the top you know, the top, top five, 10, like top five, yeah, like every year, yeah. And uh, you know, if that's not there, then uh, it's it yeah. could be an issue. And uh, you know, you you said uh, in the first thing that you know, Kentucky's not going to go back and do a Bill Gillespie, yeah, kind of thing. History shows us that typically what happens in Kentucky basketball is you get a legendary coach like yeah. Rupp, mm-hmm. like Patino, right, like Cal. That yeah. does, that's, that raises the bar of the Kentucky fans that show that their expectations can be met. Right. And then you have to replace those guys. And when you yeah. have to replace those guys. It's tough. It's tough because what college coach wants to go into that? And it has to be, <laughs> with with Kentucky, it's got to be the, the perfect mix of the right personality. Right. Well, to you s- embrace the fans, to... Uh, someone who's going to bring the fan base in. He's almost got to be some, somewhat of a politician. Yep. And as well as a good basketball coach. So someone's going to be able to be a championship basketball coach, but also have the personality to be basically on stage all the time. Right. You know? And uh, you're probably the biggest fundraiser for that the state of Kentucky, or that the University of Kentucky has. You know? Right. I mean, that you, you know, John Calipari shows up at an event. What do you think that does to an event? For the fundraising, oh, it, it if, skyrockets exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and it's gonna be like you said, it's gonna be tough for anyone who steps in. We saw already Billy Donovan didn't accept the job when it was offered to him. I mean, and he's a legendary coach, no doubt he could have done a good job, but he didn't even want the job. And then you got so then you have a situation where you know you've got to re- we haven't replaced Cal yet, and it'll be interesting. It all it will be interesting to see what happens who replaces this Cal. Yeah. But when you had to replace Rupp and you had to replace Patino, they ended up bringing in Tubby, obviously for Patino, and Joe B to replace Rupp. Right. And I love the I love the similarities between those two guys because those two guys are just outstanding Hall of Fame caliber basketball coaches. Yeah. yeah. I that like, were always underappreciated. Yeah, I think that uh, Tubby Smith 
was a very good coach. The problem is, is uh, you know, a lot of times in March Madness, it didn't end the didn't end up winning a lot of those games. You know, uh, he had a chance a lot of times to go to the Final Four. They lost to Marquette in the Elite Eight. They lost to Michigan State, and fans wanted to get back to the Final Four, and he couldn't do it after a while, and so fans just got upset. Yeah, that expectations, those expectations right. weren't, and then the same thing could have been said for Joe B. Hall. Uh, you know, he won wins a, a championship early, and he not as early as Tubby did in the first right. year, but in '78 um, was when was when they won. Then they come and they start having unbelievable talent. I mean, some of those Kentucky teams in the in the early '80s were just unbelievably stacked, and they were unable to get it done. They did go back to one Final Four where they had a terrible lost to Georgetown and mm-hmm. where they couldn't hit a shot in the second half. But anyway, two really good basketball coaches that were underappreciated. Right. And Tubby Smith, if you look at what he did with Minnesota, that's just tremendous. They had a terrible basketball program before he went there. Took them to the tournament almost every year, and they won their first game in the tournament ever with Tubby Smith. No, that's North not Bay. true. They went to the Final Four in the 90s. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, they won their first game in – Sorry, not ever, but a long time in the tournament. Yeah, and has got more basketball tradition than you think. Yeah, then they uh, and then Texas Tech, uh, despite them not making the tournament, they went from last in the Big Twelve to actually winning some games, like beating Oklahoma State and beating some actual talented teams. So then they got uh, then you so now you have these guys that are in the college basketball world seen as great basketball coaches. And now you've got to replace. You fire these guys, although you know Tubby wasn't fired. Right. Well, these guys I mean, leave right. because of the immense pressure that are under. And now they've got to hire. No coach in America wants to go to Kentucky when they see that Joby Hall and Tubby Smith were criticized the way they were. And so right. you have to go out and get the best you can possibly get. In each case, it was Eddie Sutton and Billy Gillespie. Yeah, and then you got the similarities between those two guys. Yeah, and both of them short lived. The program ends up in shambles. You know, Eddie Sutton because of the scandal, Billy Gillespie because you know I don't, they just it was it was just not a fit. Both programs are in the both times the programs in dire need. They bring in the savior, Patino Calipari to kind of resurrect things and bring things. the The parallels and how that cycle of coaching goes. I don't think there's. I think. I think it's yeah. It's an obvious cycle. I mean, I think that cycle well, it's going to kind of come tr- stay true. I mean, the next guy they get to replace Cal is not going to be John Calipari. It's not going to be. No. You're not going to be able to replace John Calipari. And it's going to be terribly disappointing again. I don't know if it's going to be as bad as Billy Gillespie, but you're going to get a coach like that who maybe was decent at the program he was Well, you're going to get the guy that you're going to get the Tubby Smith um Joby Hall guy if the cycle stays the guy who's right. a good basketball coach. But maybe he does not. It's not, but it's not going to be John Calipari, right? And the standard is John Calipari, right? I mean, uh, with Tubby Smith, you know, he went to a lot of lead eights, uh, a lot of Sweet Sixteens, but fans weren't satisfied with that. If you don't take win a championship, you know, every like five years or so, fans are going to be upset. I don't know if they had to win a championship every five years, but I think the Final Fours is big. Yeah, and I think uh, they have to. They can't go a decade without winning a championship. I know that. Right, so. yeah. Well, I mean, Tubby Smith won one, but a lot of people were saying that's Rick Pitino's guys. That yeah, wasn't... although I will tell you what. I don't know. That team was not a typical Rick Pitino team. I mean, they were good. Right. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they had all these unbelievable 
All-American surefire NBA guys on this team. Mm-hmm. They had Scott Padgett. That's they had they Scott Padgett and Jeff Shepard. Yep. You know. That was a weird team because, like, Jeff Shepard, who was phenomenal in college, obviously wasn't an NBA-type player. Um, trying to think who else they had. Nazi Muhammad was an NBA player. He still plays in the still NBA. Plays, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, so he was good. Scott Padgett obviously was very good. But, uh, you know, like you said, they didn't have uh, too many people that were extremely dominant. But they didn't have the, I guess, the Antoine Walkers and Tony Delks, right. Jamal Mashburn kind of player. I mean, these are, they have it's a great roster. It wasn't guys, you know, that youth felt like, you know, Wayne Turner was a hell of a college point guard, okay? Right. Uh, Hashimu Evans, who was a great college player. You, it wasn't like they had the – Jamal McGlure was on that team, actually. So they had two centers that would, went to the uh, NBA. NBA and had really long careers. But it wasn't like they were like the t- guys that you – when you think of the pinnacle of Kentucky basketball, yeah. they're not the names you put up there. I'm not sure that Rick wins the national title with that team. Yeah, you could be right. I don't think I think that team was more geared to being a Tubby Smith caliber team of guys that want to play defense. They want right. to go out there and work hard. Um, you know, yeah. I, I I don't know. I I always thought that. So, but you know, what were you? Were you six years old when that happened? When was, how old were you? <laughs> I was nine. Thanks. Nine, okay. But uh, I, I I watched the game. I mean, I was a Kentucky fan at that point. Okay. I remember. I think my. Uh, one of my first Kentucky games was when they played Arizona in – or the year before, I think, they played Arizona. I think I started watching it when I was like six. So that's pretty young, you know, yeah. as a Kentucky fan growing 96, up. 96, that's when they won a the title, the year before they yep. played Arizona. So they, I think I started watching it when I was about seven, probably. Okay. Right. So, I mean, that's pretty young to start watching it. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, Kentucky started early. But, uh, anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I don't think the Kentucky job – at this point, is designed for someone to really stay more than ten years. Mm. I, I I think Cal has shown his age. I think uh, you know. I think the the job is, and I think he'll tell you that the job's aged him. I think oh, he's yeah. having a blast, but the pace you have to go at at the Kentucky job, it's just yeah. it's tough. You know, after that NIT season, he really had to rebound in order for you know Kentucky fans not to get angry with him because. Anytime you go to the NIT, that's that's a coach's death mark almost with uh, Kentucky. Oh yeah, I mean, well that doesn't happen. I mean, let's let's yeah, let's call it what it. I mean, they went on probation in the early nineties. Right. They come back and then they went to, they came back and then didn't miss an NCAA tournament until Tubby's last uh, Tubby's year where they went to the NIT, and then um, it, it just doesn't it shouldn't happen. I mean, right, right. It should, and for a while there, it didn't happen where they, you know, they where they even lost the first game in the tournament. So um, you're not only supposed to go to the tournament. I think you've got to at least get some wins. So you yeah. know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I think that's. But that's, I mean, he rebounded, so he was okay. He rebounded, and you but know, let's, for, but let's face it, he's got three years max. I think it's left with what it's yet. He's got Kentucky, and I would not be surprised if he wins it this year. If this is it. If right. he wins it this year and he's gone, he could leave any time between now and the next three years, and I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, and then Kentucky fans are going to be extremely upset, but what are you going to do? Well, I think Kentucky fans are starting to become accepting. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. That's where it is. So, uh, all right, we're going to head to a break. If you want to call on the show, 384-1450. Mike and JT will be right back right after this.
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. We are back here on the uh, Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Andolfo, JT here in studio on the Brandon J. Lawrence Weekend Sports Buzz. And uh, kind of interesting little story coming out with uh, your uh, your alma mater, Kansas yeah. State, in, in Mississippi State, agreeing to a home-and-home football series over Twitter. How about that? The athletic director is using Twitter How about to uh, come up with a football well, series. Curry is a pretty young guy. He's in his uh, 30s, you know, early 30s. And, you know, I guess that's the generation that we live in at this point is the Twitter generation. So it had to be at some point, and, you know. They're getting it done yeah. over Twitter. So they're, right. uh, uh, it's a pretty interesting little deal. The Mississippi State and Kansas State will be playing another chance for the SEC to state their dominance over the uh, Big 12. I think K-State's going to be able to win those games. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that uh, Bill, uh, Bill Snyder is the, the, the genius behind that right there. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, yeah, they already beat Michigan, so the SEC is next. Yeah, Michigan, uh, the, the Big Ten's terrible. Let's, let's go back there. The, the Big Ten the Big is Ten. not a football conference anymore. They're not. It's almost time for me to get on that – Big soapbox again because we are just mere. <laughs> let's see, what are we? Seven weeks from uh, from our first football Saturday. Um, yeah. You know, it's right around the corner. I mean, it's it's coming. So yeah, and on, then I'll get to talk more about how the Big Ten is no longer a football conference. If anything, it's a basketball conference because yeah. Big Ten football is terrible. They they are. They used to be a lot better with Nebraska, Michigan. Michigan State was even good there for a while. With well, Nebraska hasn't been in the league very long. No, I know. I'm just saying that at the beginning when they were in the league, they were good. Even the year before, they were good. But, I mean. Nebraska wasn't what they were when I was a kid. No, definitely and not. And I have not been when back they, there in a long time. They used to play K-State, and they used to whoop them until about 2000 when Bill Snyder really started getting going, 99, 2000, and then kind of had a little drop-off after that. So, so uh, it was, uh, this is the first recruiting basketball recruiting weekend. Of the of the summer, the the first they call them evaluation periods. They have three right. evaluation periods in these next uh, the first three weeks in July. So this week was uh, the first big one. Got to see uh, Rick Pitino and Tom Crean this week out on the uh, recruiting trail. I was up in Indianapolis for basically a day, okay. um, watching a little AAU basketball a tournament that used to be pretty good, the Adidas Invitational up in Indianapolis. But it seems like uh, I don't know if if you remember. Or not, but like in the '90s, basketball recruiting started going to where they had these showcase camps and the the ABCD mm-hmm. camp and all that kind of stuff that right. were kind of around. And that's you know all the top players in the country went there and they had these camps and coaches went there and evaluated talent. And then it kind of spawned into these AAU tournaments. Well, now it's kind of going back to these these showcase camps. And uh, so traditionally, this Adidas Invitational is one of the better things going on. But this uh, this year. Uh, the the first recruiting weekend had three major skills academy. LeBron James had his skills academy out in Las Vegas. Right. So there was a lot of college coaches out there watching that. Sure. Uh, you had uh, Adidas hosting one up in Chicago for their top kids. Mm-hmm. So all the top Adidas kids were not at this. Uh, and when I say Adidas kids, what I mean is all these, the major AAU programs out there are sponsored by a shoe company. Right, right. So you have – Kids that play for Adidas sponsor programs and Nike right. sponsor programs and Under Armour they sponsor programs. They go to programs. those camps, yeah. Exactly. So a lot of the Adidas sponsored kids, uh, if they weren't invited to LeBron especially, were up in Chicago for their Skills Academy. So 
So that was another big spot. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, oddly enough, Reebok, who right. <laughs> who is pretty irrelevant on the basketball scene, had they they have a they have a deal up in Philadelphia, okay. um, which actually a lot of the Under Armour kids end up going to. So you had these three skills academy type things that are kind of going back to that and not as much the AAU thing. So the AAU thing I went to was really good for uh, a lot of the mid-major programs. There's a lot of Division two schools up so there and maybe, stuff like that. maybe Purdue can get – I'm just kidding. Purdue I didn't even see. That's the thing. It's like I, w- I was up there and I'm, I'm like – I'm used to seeing all these top, top-name coaches. Like I always talk about the first time I went to the Adidas Invitational to do some recruiting for the Derby Classic. Yeah. I, I turn the corner to go in the gym. And I'm a little nervous, and and I almost like literally run over Coach K, <laughs> like like I mean I was like and then just like just being over there with those guys was was kind of surreal at, at at first. And uh, did you were you able to talk to Coach K? Yeah, I've talked to Coach K a, a couple times, and we have a couple kids that play down at Duke uh, that have played in the Derby Classic. Emil Jefferson's down there right now. I was at, hanging out with Emil's high school coach, who's now the head coach at Earlham College in Indiana. Um, so Emil Jefferson and, and, and Quinn Cook, who are, you know, both mm-hmm. guys who are, are Dukies or who, uh, who play in the Derby Classic. So, uh, well, Quinn was here, but he was injured, uh, and ended up not participating, but he did come, but, okay. uh, but still it was a good tournament, but the, the only guy that was really worth me watching up there and a guy that's got some local interest is, is Ray Spalding out of Trinity, a six, nine mm. tall athletic kid. Mm who uh, is being recruited by Louisville and Indiana and Xavier. Probably those are his three favorite. Tennessee, though, coming up strong. Uh, and that was really the only high well, high major kid that was at the tournament, the only top 100-type player that was there. Um, yeah, if if you're a Trinity kid, though, Louisville's almost, you know, your your dream college. Almost yeah, here. I think what happened, though, with Ray, uh, and this is just kind of my you know, secondhand knowledge, and so mm. don't take this as expert, but Indiana and Xavier – Showed him interest first, and were kind of the guys that really showed that they wanted him early on. Right. And the kid seems like he's really loyal, and uh, so he is. Uh, Indiana and Xavier, I think, are are right up there. And then when Louisville came because of the hometown right. connection, I think that was uh, that was something that they were really you know interested in. And then I think Trent, Tennessee's probably fourth in this in this race. Right. Um, I think the, the I think right now I I heard him. I heard a Louisville guy, a Louisville recruiting expert say that he that Louisville's leading, and I heard an Indiana expert think that Indiana's leading, and I think Xavier's Chris Mack feels pretty good. I think those three schools are definitely his top three right now. Right, no doubt, yeah. Tennessee is probably fourth, mm. and then Vandy, who wasn't even there to watch him, uh, is probably on the outside at the fifth spot, but he's down to those five schools well, right now. Well, I mean, now. if they didn't come watch him, then they're probably out of it at this point. I would think so. I think they understand that they, you know, that they were probably the long shot to begin with, and they're, you know, gonna kind of. But you know, that's it's a guy that uh, raised a, a really good talent. Although um, Vandy's kind of like a private school, just like Trinity, sort of. I mean, it's not a private school, but you understand what I'm saying. It's more prestigious school, so maybe yeah, he might wise. he might be interested in going there. Obviously, but Indiana's a top notch academic. It, it Xavier is a Catholic school. So yeah, th- oh yeah, that's a good point. So I mean, if he could go from a Catholic one Catholic school to another Catholic right. school, so maybe that's why Xavier feels confident. You know, he's. I don't think know, that really has anything to do with it, but you know, you know, some athletes <laughs> do that. I mean, okay, uh, fine, laughing at me, but I'm not laughing at you. I just yeah, don't just, think it has anything to do with it. So. I'm just saying that <laughs> if you're a kid that goes to a private Catholic school in high school, it definitely. I don't know. I think that it might influence your decision as to where you want to go to college. Maybe you do want to go to a Catholic 
college. I think. Well, I mean, I went to a Catholic college out of Catholic high school, but I think it, it mean it mainly comes down to. And there's a lot of guys that go end up going to Dayton, which is a Catholic school, right? Yeah. Dayton's program, I mean, that should be getting a boost after that Elite Eight. Oh, yeah, they are. When they got a great coach. They got Archie Miller, who's Sean Miller's brother, uh, just an outstanding coach. So, right. But, uh, yeah, it was overall, I mean, uh, the tournament I went to was was way down. Uh, but uh, I got to see Ray, and I'll tell you what, I got to see a couple of those other Trinity kids. And, you know, Trinity could have four or five Division One players. Mm. Their basketball their high, has really basketball gotten – Better and better each year, it seems. Kills me. Kills me as a St. X guy. But that's all right. I think Coach Klein does an unbelievable job at, at, at St. X with what yeah. he's got. So, um, yeah. it, it's. You know, my my dad said that he recently went to the alumni uh, dinner or whatever it is yeah. that, uh, you know, they have. And somebody asked him if he played basketball for St. X when he went there in the 60s. He's like, no, he's really short, though. So, I don't know why they asked him that. He's like 5'4". Your dad's 5'4"? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of funny. He just, But his dad went to St. X and won a championship way back in the day, like in the, I don't know, I want to say it's, I don't know, in the thir- 1930, I think? Yeah. I don't know, somewhere around there. Yeah, it's back when the, it's, I think this final score was like 21 to 19 or something ridiculous. There's like that, but. JT dropping the St. X basketball. History knowledge. knowledge. That's there right. So, but uh, Brace Balding plays for the Ville. They are playing the uh, Louisville Magic. In the uh, in the tournament next, so we got like the battle of the two Louisville programs at eleven forty five up in Indianapolis, mm. and uh, so we'll have to see there what happens with Ray, and if uh, if he takes on Ellis's Ellis Miles's uh, Louisville Magic team. Uh, so you know, next week I'm in uh, I'm in Atlanta, going to recruit there a little bit. Going to go do a little bit of the Under Armour event in Atlanta, the Peach Gym in uh, in Augusta. That's pretty and then, sweet. Uh, and you know, the week after that, for the first time. Louisville will host the AAU National Tournament. Mm. How about that? Are we going to get media passes for that? That's well, I, I will. I mean, I, of but, course you will. You. But all you got to do is it. all you got to do is request it. So I mean, uh, but the uh, I have to get a hold of Matt. I think I guess the uh, but the uh, yeah the AAU National Championship coming to Louisville, which will be a big deal. I mean, I, right? You, you all need, there's going to be some really top notch high school basketball town out there that people need to go out there and see. Uh, it's going to be at the fairgrounds and, uh, I think in that South wing. And uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, you're going to have some of the top high school players in the country here and, uh, and, and you probably have like, you know, they'll probably have 15 courts maybe set up at once. And, uh, I'm trying to think how many they usually set up in that thing, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a, a really good, uh, a, event for us to host. So, uh, that's what my recruiting schedule looks like this summer. I'm kind of excited that I get to stay home a weekend. So it doesn't yeah. usually happen. I usually go to Las Vegas that last weekend. Hey, not a bad trip, right? Well, uh, you know what? I'm not the biggest Las Vegas guy. No, no. I mean, I, I I'll I'll gamble a little bit in the casino. You right. stay on the strip once. You stayed on it. You know, there's there's not much more to you know. I, the next time I go out there, I don't think I'll stay on the strip. They don't have that fresh bourbon that you like. Well, no, it's not that. It's just <laughs> I can only take Vegas in short. Doses. I don't like. I can't yeah. stay out there very long. It's it's all right. I mean, it's it's just not really my scene. So gotcha. Not the not the gambling type. Uh, I, I actually I love I love playing poker. I love uh, gambling and stuff like that. I just uh, I don't know. I just something about it seems really dirty to me. So well, it has a dirty <laughs> so, reputation. So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just 
I'd rather play poker with a hanging out with a whole bunch of guys in, in the basement or something. Yeah, that makes so. sense, yeah. All right, well, uh, so that's our first hour. Uh, we will uh, make sure you call in 384-1450 if you want to join the show. And we will be right back on the Brand J. Lawrence Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, Mike Gandolfo, JT, back here in the 1450 studios. This is hour two of the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence. That song, 1979, Donna Summer Bad Girls. Was the number one hit this week in 1979? Yeah. You like I, it? I can feel it. You like it. the yeah, Bad Girls? I like it. It's kind of ironic that this uh, kind of a disco-y type song, you know, I guess you consider this disco. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely disco. Yeah, yeah. Well, this date on 1979 in Kaminsky Park had the Disco Demolition Night. Do you even know what that is? I've heard of it. All right, so the, the, the Chicago White Sox were trying to, you know, increase their fan and participation. So they got, disco was very polarizing you either loved it or hated it, but a lot of rock people didn't like disco a whole lot mm. uh douglas douglas i'm sure was a big disco guy yeah uh, he seems douglas, like a disco guy yeah half and half okay and then uh so the the white Sox did this whole thing where they uh they were you bring your disco record you got in for 97 cents if you brought your disco record to the ball game and uh they were gonna put all the all there was a double header and then between the double header they got this like local Chicago shock jock who was going to put all the disco records in this one bin and they were going to blow them all up. They were going to have this explosion and blow them all up. So they ended so up... So they hated disco the whole time. They hated... They, they, it was like a hate disco night. I got and you. Uh, they, they thought, you know, that it might increase their fan base a little bit. You know, they were drawing around ten to 15,000 fans a game. They were hoping to get it up to around twenty. Ended up having 50,000 people show up to the game. Wow. <laughs> and people... <laughs> and they, uh, they, they did their... Disco demolition, and after the explosion, fans rushed the field, you know, did damage to the field. They ended up having to forfeit the second game of the doubleheader. Why would you do damage to the field? That doesn't make well, any sense. Well, I don't think you had baseball fans that were there. You had rock fans who were there to see them blow up the disco records. And so there was uh, – but was the, the explosion itself did damage to the field, but then fans rushed the field afterwards, and it was not really a riot, but kind of a semi-riot kind of a, a favorite riot. Like, yeah, this is a good thing, riot. It, okay. it, well, I mean, but they did do damage, so right. Riots do that. Sometimes. Any uh, other things that kind of happen in sports this uh, this around this time or this this today in sports actually? A major league baseball record in 1931 for doubles was set when the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs combined for. 23 doubles in one game. That's a lot of doubles. That is a lot of doubles. Cy Young in 1901 got his 300th career victory on this date. And uh, yesterday, Babe Ruth, it was the 100th anniversary of Babe Ruth making his um, his first appearance for the Boston Red Sox, his major league debut. Now that is a big one right That's there. That's a huge one. That's a monster. You know, probably the greatest player to ever play the game when you consider mm -hmm. that he was a really good pitcher. And an unbelievable hitter. There have been arguments. I, I don't know you, how you can argue. I, I, I really think you don't could, know. I think you could argue Ty Cobb as well, but I don't know how you can argue anyone else from his era because of, of putting Ty Cobb in his era. Now the, Ty Cobb was the people a great in player. his era thought Ty Cobb was better. Casey Stengel, for example, 
Babe well, Ruth hit more home runs than whole major league teams. I understand that. I understand. He pitched and he hit. I understand that, but so uh, name someone else Ty Cobb has the best batting average of a lifetime, has more stolen bases than whole teams from when he was there. You score runs from stolen bases? He had 100 stolen bases at home. No player's ever stolen home 100 times, and Ty Cobb did that. I actually I'm had to write to a paper on this. Yes, yeah, Ty Cobb has the most home stolen bases ever in a career, the highest lifetime batting average. And uh, Ty Cobb is the only player to hit uh, I'm trying five home runs in two games, I think it was. So, yeah. He, no one's ever hit five home runs in a game. I can't remember what it was. Is it four, four is the most. Four, maybe that's what it was. Okay. But anyway, I mean, you certainly could argue Babe Ruth, but I think the people in that era certainly thought Ty Cobb was better. Um, so, he stole home 54 times. Sorry, 54 times. That's, yeah. what I was that's a lot off. of times, though. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And he invented the hook slide. Yeah. Well, speaking of great slides. Yeah. Billy the Hamilton. Billy Hamilton. Oh, my. So, uh, and then we'll even kind of tie this into the 1979 thing, July, ni- July 10th, 1979. We actually, or uh, July, what is today? July 12th. I don't even know what today is. July 12th. July 12th, 1979, 35th uh, anniversary of the Disco Demolition. We were at the Reds game Wednesday night on July 9th for to celebrate my sister's 35th birthday. Okay. My sister being a Cubs fan, and uh, you know I'm being the Reds fan, right. and my dad being fairly indifferent wore Cubs stuff because it was my sister's birthday, and I got very upset. So but that's okay because yeah. we ended up winning that game. Reds, uh, Reds <laughs> was that the five nothing game that we? No, were no, no. It was it was uh, the Reds won you know four to one or whatever. Oh, okay. But uh, lots of things kind of going on. With the Reds right now, yeah, it's, it's a little. Or crazy. I think what are they one game back? Oh no no, they're uh, three two and a half or three. Let me see. Uh, because the Brewers lost. The Brewers last lost night. last night. Yeah. yeah, I think they were two back, two and a half back before the Brewers lost. It could be a game and a half. Let me see. I don't know. Maybe it's two games. I don't know. It's it's kind of funny right now with Reds fans because uh, me being one of them. But yeah, uh, I had the opportunity, I guess, to listen to the post game show Wednesday night. As I was leaving Cincinnati, and then I and I had to, I caught a little bit of it actually on uh, on Thursday when I was in Indianapolis driving from gym to gym, mm-hmm. and uh, for some reason you can really Louisville's closer than Indianapolis is to Cincinnati, but you can really pick up WLW uh, really well in uh, in yeah. Indianapolis. So uh, I was listening to the post game show, and it's kind of the tale of the actually yeah game and a half back. You have this. This the is ridiculous. Central, the game Nationally and Central a half back. There's five teams in the division, right? Yeah. The Pirates are in fourth place, and they're three and a half games outside of first. That's ridiculous. I mean, it is unreal. The Reds are a game and a half out of first, and they're only uh, and they're in third place, and then the St. Louis is a game back. But uh, well, St. Louis and Milwaukee playing each other, and the Reds and the Pirates playing each other is going to put a little distance or a little. Could even make it closer. And then depending. last night was huge for the Reds. But let's yeah. let's go, let's we're going jumping all over with this Red stuff. So going back to uh, you know the Reds finally got healthy there for a while. Yeah, and went on this monster tear. Got themselves back in the division. They're seven games above five hundred right now. Yeah, they play Wednesday night against the Cubs. They went four to one. Sure. Uh, you get Chapman comes in to get his uh, to get the save and, and and throws the first seven pitches over hundred miles an hour. Hit 102 three times on the game I went to on, right. on Wednesday night. Okay, um, he came last night though, set a major league record for yep. most consecutive 
innings with at least one strikeout, 40. 40. Yep. And he hit 103 on his last pitch. That's this impressive. Struck out the side last night, struck out the side in the game I was at Wednesday. I mean, he is dealing. He's, and, right now he's healthy and he's, 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 on, he's on fuego, as yeah. they say. In fuego, yes. The, the, uh, the Reds, though, win uh, in, uh, on Wednesday, and I'm listening to this postgame sh- show as I'm driving to Indianapolis. And, uh, and it's so funny to hear because now it's like, okay, everyone's so excited, and, and they're just like, okay, what, what piece do they need to, to add at the All-Star break? You know, there's questions whether or not Joey Votto's going to be able to return this year or not. Ooh, I hope so. Um, I think, you know, he's on the 15-day DL, but it's an injury that's been recurring, and it's – I don't – and, and the, the guy on the station made a good point. I don't think you're going to expect to see the Joey Votto who's batting over 300. I mean, no. the, you're probably going to get – if Joey Votto comes back, it's probably a 275 Joey Votto. Yeah. And – That's better than with his replacement, I'm sure. I don't know, though, because Brian – and that well, this was kind of the argument, okay? So they were talking about who do they, they get. And the discussion led to should they bring back Adam Dunn? And let Adam Dunn play first base. Uh, I, I would love to see Adam Dunn. See, play I would not. Team. I don't think Adam Dunn's a, the guy you'd want to bring back. He's definitely a power hitter. The he Reds is, need a power hitter. But he's also a lot of strikeouts. That's true. He's a defensive liability. Yeah, I could see that. And he's not the, the from the clubhouse guy. Do you want to bring? This was the point the guy made on the radio. And I, I, I apologize for not knowing who, what the guy's name was. Do you want to bring back a guy from that Griffey? Done clubhouse that was kind of just always mediocre and really never had a, you know, a chance to bring over the hump. I really liked Dunn when he played for the Reds. Yeah, I was not a Dunn fan. I th- I thought Dunn was one of the reasons why Griffey looked bad, and because Griffey had a shade to Dunn's side so much to make up for how bad of an outfielder Dunn was, that it it made uh, some people. Well, that, I mean, if you play first base, and it's a it's kind of a safe haven a little bit. A little bit, but I mean, there's still some tough plays. I mean. Yeah. Uh, then the Reds. I mean, Joey Votto's a fantastic first baseman. He so. is. He is. I mean, the Reds. The Reds as a whole defensively and, are phenomenal. Yeah, they're infield. The, the best defensive team in baseball. BP, who is the best second baseman, I think, defensively in the game at this point. Yeah. Uh, you got Todd Frazier, who's very good third baseman. Zach Cozart, who makes some hella plays. Zach Cozart might be the best defensive shortstop in, in the National League. Right. And then you got Joey Votto. That infield. It's hard to get any balls past yeah. him on the ground. So, so and then to, to that point, now you've got Votto, hurt, who's out, and Phillips we don't know how Phillips, who's, and they said Phillips is only six weeks, but that's I think that that's is a very lot, though six weeks. No, yeah. I think that's actually probably short. I don't think I think he's probably going to end up being out longer. I think you can expect him to be out eight to ten weeks. That would not the, be I mean, good. he just had his surgery on uh, Thursday uh, on his thumb. Um, so now you they got this whole side of the infield, like you know what's going on. They try to do the experiment where they bring Jay Bruce to play first base. They did this on Tuesday. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, I don't. No. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. When Jay got, Bruce is a fantastic outfielder. He has a great arm. He's got one of the best arms in baseball. You don't put him on first base. And, you, and the, my thinking is, why would you try him at first base when you got a guy like Skip Schumacher? Skip Schumacher's hurt. He, he got, but he wasn't hurt at the time. Okay. He just got hurt on Thursday. Right. When you got a guy like Skip Schumacher who's played first base, he's also only on the DL, the concussion DL, so he'll be right. back pretty soon. Right, right. Yeah, Skip Schumacher might be a good choice. Why wouldn't you put Skip Schumacher there? But even more than, and it, this was not an option right away, and so I understand why this Jay Bruce, because congrats to Brian Pena for the birth of their child. And a good hit last night. Brian Pena 
and this is would be my argument. I would rather have Brian Pena than Adam Dunn at first base. I don't know about And that when one. Brian Pena was playing every day while Devin Masrocco was hit hurt, he was hitting the living crap out of the ball. Brian Pena was 0 for 13, I think, before last night. As when he was doing his sparingly, no, and that's not true. No, I, I, I remember him. some stat that Marty Brenneman was saying. But that, Brian, but when Brian Pena is playing every day, he hits. Yeah. Okay. No, no. He is a better first base option defensively by far because he's he was playing really good defensively at first base. Yeah. And maybe. he's the guy that if I had to put a guy out there, that's who I'm. That's who I'm playing at first base. Yeah, but I think they're for first base. They're looking at a guy who has some pop and Pena. Well, Joey have, Votto doesn't really have pop. Joey Votto had thirty home runs not too long ago. I mean, obviously not this year. But when does Joey Votto get a home run or a hit like that when it matters? I don't know. I mean, when you look at what he was doing with runners in scoring position and stuff like that, I mean, I, I don't think the drop off is as much as you think it would be. When Pena yeah, was hit, I don't know. Joey Votto, I think last year was like third uh, on the. The risk or, or whatever uh, r- runs above replacement. You mean uh, the runners in scoring position? Sorry, not runners. Uh, the, I, I'm talking about the WAR statistics, not the risk. I'm sorry. So uh, he was, I think, a top five uh, for r- r- um, wins above replacement. Is what I want to say. Um, at at least at some point last year, um, he was ranked really high as far as if you replaced him, you'd be in trouble. Sort of deal. Well, I mean, that was always the that was the discussion towards the end of the year when they uh, gave Votto a big contract and they were looking like they were going to get rid of Brandon Phillips. If it was between those two guys, I would have kept Brandon Phillips and got rid of Joey. Sure, Votto. I would have kept Brandon Phillips too. But I so, mean, Brandon Phillips right now is uh, one of my favorite players to watch, just because he's so good on defense and he's clutch. The guy gets a hit when you need a hit from Brandon Phillips. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and speaking of being clutch. The guy who is in the top three in uh, right now, as far as hitting with runners in scoring position, is Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton. Who would have thought that coming out guy, the last the Riverbats? This guy, from where he started off at the beginning of the year to where he's at right now, and by the way, my game win the game I went to Wednesday, I saw two rare Billy Hamilton things. I saw him walk, right, which <laughs> is rare. rare. I also saw him get thrown out stealing. Really? Yeah. So it doesn't happen very often. But anyway, I think the walk is actually rarer than him getting caught stealing, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and Billy Hamilton is – Wow. And Marty Brenneman called him the most electrifying guy or the most exciting player to, that the Reds have had the last 25 years. I think I don't disagree I, with that. I think he could win the NL Rookie of the Year the way he's oh, going. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, if he doesn't get it, I think he's going to get shafted. I mean, he, yeah. he, he has meant more to this team. He is outperforming Shinshu Chu from last year. And that's tough because since you Chu was really good last year. Just but giving him a flat. And, and you know what I think is also impressive? He's playing a pretty good defensive center field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, He's electric. He's fast. He makes those grabs. Defensively, he fits the red scheme perfectly because the Reds are a defensive team. I mean, as far as they are one of the best defensive te- Last year, I think they were number one, was it, in defensive? Well, this right now they're number one defense. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Billy Hamilton's the guy. I mean, you thought – the reason why they got Billy Hamilton because they said he could steal bases, but nobody thought he would hit this well. And uh, I just, uh, I, I think he's he's doing great. I mean, I, oh yeah, he's. Uh, but the problem is, you know, he's a little banged up, so he's got this. He's battling this hamstring issue. Now right. he came back and played last night, three for four, <laughs> and was three for four, and was uh, avoided that tag at first. Is, that was, was phenomenal. It one of the most athletic plays you'll ever see. If you haven't, don't, haven't seen the highlight of him getting the bunt single, 
I uh, think that definitely check it out. <laughs> that that Pirates player was like, "What? What just happened to me? I look like a goofball on TV." The but. Reds though are so beat up right now. So here's here's what they have. They got Votto's out, yeah. and Votto could be out long term. Yeah. Uh, Phillips is going to be out long term. Um, you got Hamilton who's beat up but playing. Right. Schumacher on the DL with the concussion, so it's a little bit shorter deal. Right. Homer leaves the start early. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be a deal. Looks like he's going to make his next start. And then Latos last night. Gets pulled in the fourth inning because he's hurt. This is uh, it's not yeah. a man. They're getting, they're getting back to where they're again. beat up, and it's and you know hopefully they can kind of revamp it. Luckily, you know Brandon and Joey Votto have not had the greatest seasons this year. They haven't had bad seasons. They right. just haven't had good seasons. I yeah. think they're replaceable. The yeah. talent they got with Frazier being an all star. Yeah, Frazier and Hamilton Mezzarocco. is what kept him in the in Mesoraco. Those three guys have kept them in it. As and it's far just as, incredible. As as so do. now it's going to be interesting to see what do the Reds do. Now that we're coming up against the trade deadline, you right. know what do they try to do? Could they go out and, and sign an Alfonso Soriano? I'd rather see him them trade fi- sign Alfonso Soriano than I would Adam Dunn, mm-hmm. but that's still a risk because Alfonso yeah. Soriano is. They been need to very, get somebody for that infield. I see, and I think they need to find the the bat for the left field. Uh, it's probably they get the big yeah, bat in the left field. I think you can. Ludwig isn't terrible. He's not great, but he's not terrible. I would be more concerned about the second base spot than I would be the first base. Spot. I would too. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Phillips, like you said, is uh, harder to replace than Votto. I think before this year, Phillips was the best player on the team. So, and Louisville, Louisville has nothing. I mean, let's yeah, Louisville this year. I mean, last year they at least had a couple players. This year they have nobody. And uh, so I don't know exactly where they're going to go. I mean, they put out. The, what they put out there yesterday was a total mash unit and uh, ended up getting a key win because, to me, being where they're at, they needed to take – as injured they as they two are, or three they need Pittsburgh. two out of three out of Pittsburgh. And they almost, they got down early yesterday, didn't look like they were going to be able to pull it off. And for them to come back and win that game 6-5 when they were down 5-1 – yeah, I know they were down five one. They may have been down five zero. Well, the Reds are playing really well. Lately. No, they were definitely down only five one. Yeah, but this is the second game, second time in five days that they have come back from a deficit of four or five runs in a week. They did it against the Cubs. They were down five to nothing this week. Right, and they did it again against the Pirates. So yeah, that's exactly right. And so in the the game against the Cubs was in the uh, the. The nightcap of the doubleheader on right, Tuesday. Right. Um, I'm just saying. So they're showing signs of. Resi- I mean, that's that's tough to do to come back down that many. Especially two games when in a week. you're beat up as you are. I yeah. mean, I think that was that's the deal. I mean, they're there's, and th- now you got Mike Leak on the mound today against Chad Morton. This is probably Charlie Morton. I mean, uh, it's a winnable game. Right it's here. a winnable game, but if they were going to drop one, they probably drop this one, and, and hopefully Cueto wins tomorrow. Yeah, um, that's the game I'm going to. They got to win tomorrow. Because you're going? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the the win last night was so important. And it, now they go into this all-star break. Hopefully they can get a little bit healthy. Yeah, but if they go into – if they beat take two or three from the Pirates, I'd be happy. The guy I saw pitch on Wednesday was Alfredo Simon. And the guy – I don't – how is Alfredo Simon not an all-star? <laughs> he Isn't he tied for the most wins in the He's National League? He's got the, League? Most, wins the National, most, most wins in the National League. Isn't he tied with Kershaw, though? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, they were supposed to – I'm surprised they haven't made a decision on Cueto not being able to pitch in the All-Star game because of he's, he's pitching Sunday. Right. I'm surprised that they haven't made that call yet. And then, I'm, you know, the talk is that once they do that, they're going to replace him with Alfredo Simon. Um, Alfredo Simon definitely five, deserves a spot. 
five all-stars for the Reds, and none of them named Jay Bruce, Brandon Joey Votto, or Brandon Phillips. Yeah. Or, well, Johnny Cueto. It, 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 I know Joey Votto doesn't deserve it, and Brandon Phillips, you might be able to argue from a defensive standpoint, but really they've had banged up. This has been a banged up year for those two players. So, you know, congrats to Chapman. For uh, his record, he deserves. He Congrats deserves to the Reds to for their ter- after their terrible start. They're a game and a half back. Unbelievable! I'm yeah, so, so excited. So if for they baseball. win tonight and the Brew Crew drops another game, well, that's then this is the discussion I was having with the guy. You know what? We and we let's go to a break. We'll go to this. I would rather see the Brewers beat the beat the Cardinals. I'd rather catch the Cardinals now. I would too. Yeah. So the Cardinals are dangerous at the end of the year every year. So let's. Uh, but they're they're hurt right now too. So. Let's go to the break. We'll be right back on the Brand J. Lawrence Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike and JT, we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we are back here, sports fans, on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Calling the show, 384-1450. We are talking Reds right now, Mike and JT in studio. And uh, breaking down a little bit of the Reds, the, we're talking a little bit right now about, uh, you know, we, we left the show talking about this important series the Reds have with the Pirates. Can they get right. two out of three? And then what would we rather see? Because we got the Cardinals who are ahead of – the Reds are behind a half game, right. and then you got the Brewers who they're a game and a half behind. And who would you rather catch right now, the Brewers or the Cardinals? And I, I think you got the Brew Crew. You'd rather catch the Brew Crew. Yeah, I'd rather catch the Cardinals. I'd rather catch the team that's in front of us. Because no, I'm I think saying, it, I'm well, I think I'm, I'm saying that I'd rather the Brewers be in first place and catch them and take over first okay. place. Sorry, I misunderstood your question. Well, yes, my, my point is like if I think whoever's in second in this division right. is going to be in the playoffs, right? So Probably they're going to get one of the wild card spots. Second and third, like last year. Potentially. Arguably, I yeah. mean, I think the National League West is probably stronger enough that they're probably, they could they most get likely one. get one of yeah. them. But you're looking at more than likely getting one, one uh, wild card. And, and if you're in the second place, you got, you're going to be in the playoffs. Right. And I also feel like, to your point, I'm, I would be more confident. No, even though the, the St. Louis Cardinals are starting to become extremely beat up. Yeah. Um, Molina's out. You know they lost Garcia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 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 hurting. Right. I would rather I'd feel more confident about the way the the Brewers dropping the uh, dropping the ball at the end of the season than I would the Cardinals. And, and baseball is really a game of momentum. Uh, if you look at who wins the playoffs, like uh, oftentimes it's not necessarily the team. Most time it's not the team that has the best record. Sometimes it's a wild card team just because they have the momentum going into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to play the Cardinals because they have historically been really good once they get to the playoffs. So you don't want to, you don't want, though, you, you don't, don't want to play, play those in September, guys. No. no. And I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think the Reds can catch the Brewers. It's all going to depend on what they do, you know, here at this trade deadline. And how long does it actually take for Brandon Phillips to come back? So they, yeah. the Reds thought six weeks. All right. And I feel <laughs> that's like that's a long time without Phillips. I know it's a long time without Phillips, but it's not a long time for that injury, because yeah. Molina had the exact same torn ligament in his thumb, and they're, the Cardinals are saying eight to ten weeks for Molina. Bryce Harper just missed fifty-seven games with that injury. But it's Brandon Phillips. I understand. It's it. Uh, what I'm saying is Brandon Phillips is a guy who 
loves playing the game of baseball. He's going to get out there as soon as possible, and he's a really tough guy. He's a tough guy, but I mean, so is Molina. I yeah, mean, yeah. I just, uh, I Molina, and a, you don't also want to do anything that's going to cause yeah. a long term right. issues. I think too, depending on when he gets back or how good the Reds will be playing. If the Reds need him, he'll have to come back earlier per se than if they're doing okay and they can let him go a little bit longer. So then, here are the uh, potential second baseman okay for trade rumors out there okay the one that i'm hearing the most for tra- second baseman for the reds for the reds going get is ben zobers from the from the race ben zobers mm-hmm. uh, not only is he a, a good second baseman he is yeah but he can also play five positions yeah so if phillips came back he'd be a good utility guy yeah feeling a lot of play, he can play left he can play right mm-hmm. um he can play that might answer your left problem too it could it could i mean yeah. he's not a great he's not an unbelievable bat but he's a He's a good player, mm-hmm. you know. He's a two seventies type hitter. Um, he's, yeah. he is thirty three. Um, yeah. So and he's a switch hitter, which yeah. is you know. But I think the thing is there, you don't have a huge drop in the defense. You know, right. uh, you want the Reds love defense, so they're not going to take somebody probably who's terrible at defense. So I think uh, I think that could be a, a really good fit. You know, they could, they, Zobers. Yeah. Ben Zobers. The other guys out there, Daniel Murphy for the Mets. You know, he's probably a little bit better hitter yeah. than Zobrist. Um, and the Mets would be willing to deal because they're in trouble this year. Oh, so. yeah. These are all guys I think that would be guys that would be willing to deal. Chase Utley from the Phillies. Ooh, Chase Utley. I don't think the Reds can go out there and pay him, though. They would have no, I don't think do they it. could, but Chase Utley would be. It'd be, yeah. And he's not, listen, listen, he's not the Chase Utley. No, he's not. He's not. That he was. No. Yeah. Um, they could go after a, a young guy like the Mariners, Nick Franklin. Mm. Now that's a guy that is he's twenty three years old. He's probably one of the best up and coming second baseman in baseball. Right. But you're expecting Phillips to be able to come back at some point. So. Well, I, well, yeah, you do. But I think also the thing about like if you went out and got Zobrist or if you got uh, Chase Utley, you got somebody who's got some playoff experience. Yeah, you want somebody who's got some. I think. I like the Zobris thing because when Phillips comes back or somebody else, the Reds seem to be injury plagued. He can play somewhere else, and he'd be decent at playing somewhere else. Uh, that and the fact that uh, Ben Zobris seems to be a pretty loyal guy. Once he gets on a team, he kind of stays put on that team. So, so you know, well, I mean, I think the Reds are really looking for um, more than likely if they go out and get one of those older guys, the veteran guys. They, they yeah. want someone that they can basically rent for the rest of this year and get rid of. I don't think they're gonna they're looking to keep anybody for long term. Right, and Zobris would probably be uh, you know a good option. I mean, maybe even Murphy. Uh, yeah, I just uh, and then you got Aaron Hill for the Diamondbacks to get thirty two years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's owed twelve million dollars in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, so. I don't think they're gonna get him. Yeah, I, really, I feel like it's coming down to to Ben Zobris is the guy that they're gonna. But I, at the same time, I kind of would wouldn't mind them going after a young guy like the Nick Franklin kid. But I mean, if they're not going to keep him, then well, I think if they got Nick Franklin, then you're looking at a situation where you're looking to bring in the guy who could eventually replace Brandon Phillips. Yeah, I mean theoretically, and maybe keep them playing together for a year or whatever. But how? But I mean. Do you think Brandon Phillips is going to be gone pretty soon? I mean, he's still got some years in the tank. Yeah, you know, he's he's not a spring chicken, man. He's He's uh, not, but he's st- he still makes some some, some He's good, amazing. Amazing he's, plays. He's probably my favorite red right now. Yeah. And, um I mean, yeah. I, I I don't disagree with that whatsoever, but he I mean, he is let's see, I'm trying to 
to get his exact age. I know he's been in the in, the, in Major what, League Baseball for like 32, 11 years. 33, maybe? You know, what's in, I, I Google search Brandon Phillips and his Wikipedia page is not coming up. You know he's got a Wikipedia page. So but he has his own, yeah, Brandon Phillips. Is, that he, dude BP. All right, man. so he was uh, born in 1981. Right. So he's 33. Yeah, so that's at 32, 33. Yeah, that's oh, pretty that was, good. That was right, so – yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a few years probably left in the left in the tank. Maybe, maybe more. Hopefully. So, uh, and then the other spot where the Reds could so the, the three the, areas the Reds the Reds could can um, could go after before the trade deadline, second base to help out with Brand Phillips. I think they're okay at first base. Yeah, a left fielder that is a bat, right? A guy yeah. who can hit. Um, and they're looking at potentially some help. Um, and the relief pitching because the relief pitching has not been as good as what no the relief pitching has been Chapman. not good obviously besides Chapman Manny Parr has been good but I mean it's not been as consistent no as I you guess would as, hope. What we, as what we have yeah. become accustomed to in Cincinnati right. right so do you have any other kind of needs you think and then they they got I think maybe as you mentioned maybe a, a left fielder but I think if they got Zobrist he would potentially be able to play left field as well. Uh, you talk about, you know, Ludwig is, mm, you know, one of those, some nights he's okay, some nights he's terrible. Um, so, I mean, if I like Zobris because he could play second, and if, uh, you know, you get Skip Schumacher back, he can play first. And then if you find, uh, you know, if you need Zobris to play in the outfield, he can. So then it comes down to uh, who. Who do you trade, though, who's for, gonna, who's for, they gonna for Zobris? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. You don't have to give up. I don't think a ton. No, I mean, obviously, the Rays aren't probably aren't going to expect you to give up a ton for Zobrist. Um, you got, you know, you could lose a Tony Singrani. I think you could probably get rid of yeah, a guy I, like Tony Singrani. You could, yeah, and the Rays need pitching, so um, you could potentially lose. Um, I don't know. I don't know how good of a you know. Do you want to get rid of the David Holmberg guy who made his major league debut? This week for the Reds in the doubleheader, the game that they came back on. Um, you know, this guy that just got it. He didn't look very he good. He didn't look he? very good, but he's one of their top pitching prospects. I don't, I don't, a Ben Lively, maybe, is another guy who's a, yeah. been a, a pitching prospect in the minors that they, that they could potentially uh, part ways with. I mean, I, they don't have a very deep minor league system right now. There is some players on double A, but the, you know, like we said, the, the bats are not very good. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see which guys, which prospects they part ways with, and who they actually go out and get. Because adding that depth could be pretty critical to them making a run. And I think they're, yeah. but I think they they have the starting pitching this year where they need to go out and make a run. I mean, I yeah, think they've I got mean, the starting pitching that they could potentially win it all. Because when it comes to playoff baseball, what's it about? It's about, it's the about pitching. pitching. I mean, you got Cueto and you got Simon. Those guys are almost unbeatable. I mean, two of the guys that are. Well, you got, you and got then, Latos. I mean, Latos is 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 usually pretty good. Every single one of the five starters right now, you can make a case for being a one or a two on another pitching staff. A number one starter or a number two starter. On yeah, certainly, staff. Latos could probably still pitch for the Padres well, at a one or two spot. Well, I mean, I think Latos actually could be our best pitcher overall. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if I, he comes back from injury, he could be. Waitos to me is yeah. like a absolute just stud. He is. He's still suffering from injury though. If he ever gets over that hump, as we could see, 
But, uh, you know, the way Simon and Cueto were pitching, you know. Now, let's also, let's be fair. His two injuries are not related. He, he had the knee injury that was – he's doing right. fine. That That's why he was out at the beginning of the year. Right. Back spasms is why he left. Right. Yesterday. You know, usually that's not a big deal. I mean, no. I think he, he – Especially if he comes at a good time with the All Star break, he's, he's probably not going to miss his next He's pitched pretty well. He's yeah. pitched pretty well. So yeah, I mean, you've got if you go into, the, I mean, I would hate to be a team facing a Johnny Cueto who's gearing up and ready to go, Simon, and then Latos, and then even Mike Leak can pitch pretty well when he wants to. Oh yeah, I mean, I think uh, without a question. And then Homer Bailey is one of those. He's the question mark to me. He can pitch really well and really terrible. He's never in between. It's either. He pitches a really good game or a really bad game. It's one of those things. I agree. I mean, he uh, he's definitely – but, again, two no-hitters in the last two years. No, I'm saying that's what uh, exactly yeah. what I'm saying. It's really good or really bad. And, he, you know, and, and the thing about him is he almost always looks good. Homer always looks good that first – going through the lineup the first time. Yeah. When, it's it's when, the second time. The, right. The, it's where he shows his chink. And, he, and to me, it's more about – he's And he's really bad with runners in scoring position. Right. Runners on base, and that's – see, Homer gets – I don't know, I think there's a thing where once he gets runners in scoring position, it kind of worries him a little bit. So that's why he's either really good or really bad because he either mows down people and just moves on or, you know, if some people start to get hits, he starts to lose it a little bit. And that's why I think he's susceptible. To me, it's like it's not necessarily having the bad starts, but it's having the – is he going to have the one bad blow-up inning or not? And I think yeah. you're exactly right. He gets a couple guys on – he starts guessing himself. He get he's more susceptible, I guess, to having the big the giving up the big inning. The big inning, and which you know, obviously in baseball, would mean you have a poor start. I mean, uh, yep. and uh, that's what he's got to kind of guard against. But at times, he goes out there and he looks like he's well, obviously with two no hitters that he is un, he can be unhittable, and uh, and if he gets if he keeps it together, the thing that's going to be interesting there is too is like when you get to playoffs. The Reds are going to go to a four-man rotation. Yeah, and it's probably going to be Mike Leake that goes to the bullpen. But yeah, because I don't think Homer Bailey's mentally tough enough to go from starter to reliever. I think he's going to have to be. Well, Bailey is certainly capable. But it's if he can keep away from, like you said, the big inning, then he'll be okay. But it's tough in the playoffs. You're facing the best, the best hitters. Yeah, the best teams in the league. Um. So we'll see. But I think if the Reds, even if Bailey does drop a game, the Reds have still got Cueto and Simon and Latos. then Latos. Those three guys. If are... they could win their three games, the series is over, you know, and it doesn't matter if Bailey drops a game, potentially. So we, uh, hopefully the Reds get healthy. You know, the, after the All Star break, they're going to start getting some guys back. You know, Homer Bailey's not going to miss a start. Latos, most likely, is not going to miss a start. Skip Schumacher. Uh, is only on that seven-day concussion DL, so he'll be back. Uh, hopefully the All-Star break gives Billy Hamilton a chance to rest up his hamstring. And then uh, then it just comes down to, you know, now Joey Votto, Brandon Phillips, how long are they out and, uh, and yeah. what they do at the if trade If you deadline. can get Votto and month. Phillips back by the playoffs and the Reds are in one of those, what either the wild card or the, the leader, then they have a really good shot. I, think. Uh, I agree. So we're uh, we're gonna take our final break. We'll be right back on the Brain J Lawrence Weekend Sports Buzz. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. 
Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, final segment today of the uh, of the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandy Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Again, if you want to listen to the replay of this show or any other sports shows, or if you want to start your own podcast, you need to go to lastsportscaster.com. Uh, make sure you're checking out KentuckySports.co for all your sports uh, information. And uh, we're wrapping up the show today with uh, – we've talked a little bit mainly about the week that was. Let's talk about the the stuff that's coming up, the weekend that is, the thing that uh, the things that are going on. We are going to say goodbye to the 2014 World Cup. We have yes. the third-place game tonight, Brazil and the Netherlands. Yep. Championship game tomorrow. Germany uh, going against Argentina. Yep. And, uh, you know, this uh, whole thing, the U.S. loses and then soccer talk goes down to a minimum, pretty much proves that the interest in soccer in this country is really not that great. It was more yep. of a patriotism, Oh yeah, you know, World Cup, it's Olympic like the, type. It's like it's the, Olympics. the Olympics. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to watch, uh, you know, water polo probably unless the U.S. is playing at the Olympics or something. So the... the uh, Same thing with soccer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, the the it just it's it is what it was it, the listen I know there's a couple of you out there that love soccer and are watching every second of the World Cup but the the fact of the matter is the majority of the people got caught up with the patriot yeah patriotism behind the U S competing in an event that happens every four years and the ratings uh, were phenomenal again because of that it had more to do with the U S playing in a, a a major event that happens every four years than it had anything to do with soccer that's it could have been freaking you know, tiddlywinks. Yeah, it could have been uh, curling. Right. And as long as there was interest and it was played at a high level, yeah. you know. So, uh, you know, I do think that Germany's probably going to win this thing. Yeah. Germany I mean, and Netherlands. By far, I mean, I, what they did to Brazil. That was brutal. I mean. I mean, it makes the U.S. look better, though. In some ways. Losing to Germany. I mean, let's, let's, when Germany played the United States, Germany had already sealed the number one seed. Yeah. In the uh, in well, the group, unless unless they lost, I don't think they ever really thought that was a. I think they got their lead and then they just kind of played around, kind of saved their energy. I don't think they had any. They didn't have any reason to destroy. They actually had a reason not to destroy the U.S. because if they destroyed the U.S., then Portugal would have gotten in instead of the U.S. and they probably would have rather had U.S. in the yeah. group and and then then Portugal. So I don't yeah. know if that's if we can really say that that was that was fair. That's or not. true, I suppose. I mean. The U.S. certainly did have their chances against Germany, though. So that's probably the biggest sporting event going on uh, right now besides, you know, NBA Summer League's going on right, right now. We're going to be watching, I'm sure, to see how the rest of the, uh, the dominoes fall with the NBA. Uh, the Reds with their final two games before the All-Star break, which the All-Star game, Tuesday night in Minnesota, do you like watching the national, the uh, Major League All-Star game? I do, yeah. It's my favorite All-Star game. I mean, out of it's, all the sports. It's fun, yeah. I don't. You don't watch the NBA All Star Game usually. The NBA All Star Game is brutal to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's painful. Yeah, but um, uh, I do like watching MLB All Star Game. And do you watch the the uh, the the home run thing and all that stuff on I, Monday I night? Do, I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I I mean, especially since uh, Todd Frazier's going to be Todd Frazier. I am definitely going to be all over derby. it. I'm going to be all over it this year. So and, uh, and then uh, next year isn't the All Star Game uh, in Cincinnati? The next year the game All Star Game is in Cincinnati. I'm gonna try to go to that game. Uh, you know, and they were talking about that that you know some people were thinking about trying to go to Minnesota. It was 250 bucks for a standing room only ticket. Wow. So as much as I like the All Star Game, I don't know if I like it that much because I was well, talking about that with my uh, with my wife too. It's like you know, do we want to? Well, I mean, in Cincy, 
it'd be more ideal, right, for next year. Still, it's you know dropping two hundred and fifty bucks. Just sneak in a media pass, you know, and get in. <laughs> uh, so that you know they will, and they're having a little bit different. Uh, they're doing a little bit of a different deal with all the home run derby this year. Mm. It's more of like a me versus other guy kind of thing, like a bracket. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. So they're going to have a National League champion, an American League champion, and they'll come out and they'll uh, and they'll see uh, – Todd Frazier all the way. Todd Frazier can be the home run derby champion. Uh, and then, you know, I, but I, I do. I like watching the All-Star game. Yeah. You, what do you, how do you feel about the All-Star game actually meaning something, that it controls who gets home field advantage? You know, I think it's you got to decide some way, and I kind of like it that way. It makes the athletes compete in the All-Star game because they don't want to see the home field advantage. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, well, do I really care about winning Well, and the way game? they used to do it was they just alternated. The American League right. had it one year. The National League had it one year. I don't, I don't know. I like, I like I, the All-Star I, game. I kind of like because, the All-Star uh, game, too. it makes the athletes compete. For the All-Star game. Well, generally, let's face it. Generally, the managers of the All-Star game were, who are chosen because they their teams were in the World Series last year. Right. And so generally, those managers are going to be in the race the next year. It's not the right. case in the American League this year because the Red Sox are terrible. Right. But usually, those managers have a stake in it. Certainly, the Cardinals are still in it. Usually, the players there are going to be representative teams that have a stake in it. You know, if your team's right. good, you're going to have more all-stars. Mm-hmm. That's generally the way it goes. So, you know, the, that makes it a little bit more special for them that they know that they need to have that, that home field advantage to uh, to get it done and, and to, to win the World Series. And mm-hmm. I, I like it. I mean, I know there's some people that, that don't like it, that think right. it's kind of ridiculous, but mm-hmm. I, why not? You know, why not give the, the a little stake in the game? Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah, exactly right. And why alternate it? Somebody needs to earn it, I think, and that's certainly a good way to earn it. Sure. Let the league the league supremacy play out by who is the uh, – on, on on who wins the home run derby. So, home run derby Monday night. Todd, good luck to Todd Frazier. Yep. Hopefully he uh, – I'm going to be watching that guy. That's really exciting. I, I think the last time was, what, 2000 with Griffey? It wasn't 2000, but Griffey was the last one. Um, it it was, was more recent than that. 2001, maybe? No. Well, no. It was like he was an all-star like in 2000. No, no. I'm, I'm talking about the home run derby. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I, I think it was more recent than that. Oh, was it? Okay. I thought I saw – I thought it was – Maybe Maybe, maybe it's though. 10 years. Maybe – is it 10 years? It could have been 10 years. Okay. Uh, the other, Anyway, it's been a long time. It has been a long time, yes. Uh, the other thing that uh, is going to start this week coming up is the British Open. Mm. My favorite of all the PGA – you don't like Mavis. the U.S. Open? I don't mind the U.S. Open. I mean, I don't mind any of them. Actually, I like all of them. But I think you uh, just like drinking tea. I think no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that I, what I like about the the British is that, I, it seems to me, and and this is very similar with the U.S. Open, that the guys, there's they they face more adversity in the British Open. I mean, the conditions are so harsh. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Kentucky uh, NASCAR. Very, track in some ways yeah you very rarely have guys who are under par you know you got um it it just it really seems to be the ultimate test i guess of how uh, on how tough these guys are so uh, you know what you're right griffey uh since 2000 that was the last time i tell you i I did i doubted you you did doubt me and i was then i had to second guess myself i was like well Well, if mike doesn't think so then maybe i'm wrong but But you know i can i'm a man who can admit when i'm wrong that's good so there we go so griffey in 2000 was last time that a red was in the home run derby yep so uh todd frazier 
I think uh, Dunn should have been in it a couple of years. He was. I don't think. I think he would have struck out too much, even in the home run derby. <laughs> in the home run, <laughs> that would have been embarrassing, I guess. So they didn't want to put him in there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that happened this week is Clayton Kershaw had his inning streak, his scoreless inning streaks broken. How how amazing is this guy? And you know, it's really tough because I think there's not a better Coast, pitcher in the league than Clayton Kershaw. If he was on the East Coast, I think he'd be talked about as being the greatest pitcher of the last thirty years. It'd be tough, yeah. Yeah, because be I, he, there's just too many people. They're that comparing don't him to Nolan him. Ryan the way he's, you know, playing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, I just, I, I phenomenal. Can't. You know, I think that uh, Johnny Cueto is what the number two pitcher after Kershaw, but I mean, Kershaw is just so phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in some ways, it's unfortunate for Johnny Cueto, who probably would have had a couple Cy Youngs by now if it wasn't for Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, and and just playing the way he does. Um. Yeah, so that so we're gonna be a little bit lax. You got the ESPYS this week. Mm. You watch the ESPYS? I do sometimes. Yeah, I remember uh, Louisville almost won an award for the ESPYS for uh, biggest upset when they beat Baylor. Was that last year? I think that it, was. Last it year. was on there. Yeah. Yep. And they didn't win, and I was disappointed because I had a friend who was on the team uh, for Louisville when they went to the national championship. So yeah. it was a bit disappointing, but uh, you know. Florida Gulf Coast, I guess uh, you could give it to. Him. So here's yeah. the here's who we got for the things that you can vote for. So the best male athlete, okay, mm. the down to uh, I guess four. Brandon Phillips. No, I'm kidding. Best male athlete: Miguel Cabrera, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, or Floyd Floyd Mayweather. It's not a very good, uh, not a very great list. It's not a great list. No, I'm but not I, liking that list. I think you got to go with Miguel, Miguel Cabrera for winning the triple crown. Yeah, I agree, Miguel Cabrera for sure. Now I don't think he'll get them the fan vote. But I think uh, Miguel Cabrera did something that's extremely difficult to do. Triple Crown, I mean, that's – I mean, there's – yeah, Triple Crown is impossible. You know, you haven't had somebody win the Triple Crown forever. Since Carl Yastrzemski in the 70s. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, our our man Ty Cobb won uh, more Triple Crowns than anybody else. But anyway. Well, that's because back then, you know, he didn't have much competition. <laughs> one, one more batting titles too. But yeah, according, besides Babe Ruth, but female athlete Maya Moore, the basketball WNBA She's player. She's really good. Yeah, Ron, I remember her in college. Phenomenal. Ronda Rousey, who is a beast, and I hope yeah. I kind of think she should win this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alpine skier Michaela Schifrin, who mm-hmm. I don't never don't nope, even know never who that is, of. and Brianna Stewart from UConn's basketball team. I think I like I kind of like Ronda Rousey there. Me too. I think that's who I'd, I'd go with, Ronda. I mean, she's incredible. Did you see? Oh man, her I can't. knockout in the like eighteen seconds. That was that was similar to what we're looking at here with this poster up here, Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Winston. Early not. Yeah, I think I'd have to go with uh, Ronda. I mean, she's just phenomenal. Uh, best moment going in sports right now: Mariano Rivera's final game, the U.S. beating Ghana in soccer, or Kevin Durant's MVP acceptance speech. Well, that's easy. It's Mario Ravana's final game. I mean, yeah, uh, Rivera's yeah. final game for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, best team, the Red Sox, the Kings, the Spurs, the Seahawks, UConn's women's basketball team, or Florida State football. I would go with the Spurs or the Seahawks. Oh, is the Spurs one of those choices? Yes. Yeah, Spurs. Uh, the best comeback athlete, and we'll we'll end on this one. Josh Beckett for the Dodgers, Sidney Crosby for the Penguins, Dominic Moore for the Rangers, the New York Rangers, or Russell Westbrook for the Thunder. I'm going with the Rangers on this one. The Dominic Moore? Yeah. All right. I mean, 
Crosby didn't play that well in the playoffs. I was disappointed in him. How about three hockey guys in that in that list? That's impressive. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the, the Rangers. Had a really good playoff run. I like uh, Dominic. He more played really well. Okay, look, we'll do one more. Best game. Okay, mm-hmm. the Auburn Alabama game. Auburn upset him. That was a really good game. Ooh, I love that game. Colts Chiefs wild card game. I was disappointed. Or Rangers versus the Kings in Stanley Cup Finals Game 5. i got to go with the Auburn-Alabama game for the best yeah, game. Yeah, me too. And plus, I'm, if the fans are voting on that, those those guys will vote. Yeah. No other. Those are some good picks, though. I like yeah. those picks, yeah. All right, so uh, we're wrapping up the show. It was a good one, JT. Yeah, I think it was good. we got a, a good week of watching some uh, All-Star Baseball and hoping the Reds, uh, seeing what the Reds do for the trade deadline. Yeah, we need uh, to have a watch party, you know that? Uh, for the All-Star game? Yeah. Uh, Home run derby, all star, <laughs> just you know, like a bourbon cigar type of gathering. Yeah, you know, know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, a little bit late to probably put something together, but uh, you know, we'll uh, we're gonna be back next week here on the weekend sports. Let's talk a little more basketball recruiting, get ready for the football season, and uh, we will see you next week on the weekend sports buzz.